Dear friends, it's time for the midweeks. And we are following the story of David. We're in 1 Samuel. We're going to go through the entire chapter of chapter 21. And remember, David is now fleeing from Saul. He's proven to Jonathan through this whole episode about the dinner party that Saul really is determined to kill David. There's nothing that Jonathan can do to save him. So David is now on the lam. He's escaped. He's His wife has been left behind. She helped hide David by putting a little idol in his bed. And now David is running away. And he's not alone. His Some of his men are with him. But he's now going to be an on-the-run semi-exile from Saul and Israel until Saul's death. And uh, which is the end of the close of the first part of first Samuel or the first book of Samuel. So without any further ado, let's get into this story and we're going to just read, make comments. Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest and Ahimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, why are you alone and no one with you? All right, so David's on the run. He comes to the priest. Not exactly sure why he went here first, but it's a stop along the way. And now he's looking for resupply of some sort. Maybe he just feels that Ahimelech is a somewhat neutral party, might not get betrayed by going there right off the bat. But he shows up and Ahimelech knows something's wrong, that David is there by himself. Or if he's got men with him, um, they haven't come to the tent. So verse 2 and David said to Ahimelech the priest the king has charged me with a matter and said to me let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you I've made an appointment with a young man for such and such a place now then what do you have on hand give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here so David is here for a resupply and this is kind of interesting because he deceives the priest all right, so the priest wonders, he knows something's weird that David is here alone. And David's response is to not make him a co-conspirator. And the cost of that is to um, have to deceive him somewhat. So he tells him he's on, a, on an errand from the king. He's not, he's fleeing from the king, but he's going to pretend like he's on this secret spy mission so that he can get Ahimelech's help without implicating him in some kind of rebellion. If he told him the truth and Ahimelech helped him, then he'd be a co-conspirator in treason against the king and be endangered. And David is hoping that by lying to him, he actually protects him from the king's wrath. Interestingly, in Hebrew, um, in verse 2 where it says, I have made an appointment to meet the young man at such and such a place. It's this cool Hebrew phrase, polonial moni. And it just means, yeah, such and such or hither and thither. It's kind of like these musical words that we use that don't give a specific location, which is kind of interesting. It's interesting that the biblical writer would not give where David said he was going to meet him. He just said, I'm going some someplace. And so you can see that the point here is not where David is meant to go. The point here is the interaction between David and Ahimelech. And by saying, by covering over what David actually said, by just saying polonial money, such and such a place, we learn that 
again afresh that the Bible is human speech and the biblical authors had freedom under the inspiration of the Spirit to sometimes give more detail. He could have said where exactly he said he was going to go and he can give less detail. It doesn't matter where David said to Ahimelech where he was going to go. The important thing is that he um, used his words to try to protect the priest from the wrath of the king while at the same time trying to achieve his object of getting some provisions. Verse 4, And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us, as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there is no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord, to be replaced by hot bread on the day that it is taken away. So if you've been keeping up with the chosen, this little scene was used as the introductory scene for uh, season two, episode six, which I thought was kind of interesting that it was coming here. But the big idea was that there was this holy bread that would be placed before the Ark of the Covenant in the room outside of the Holy of Holies as a symbolic reminder that God is the feeder of Israel. And it was kind of like a reminder that he gave the manna and that it's sometimes called the bread of the presence or the show bread. It wasn't for there for God to eat, but a symbolic reminder for the people. But after it had kind of gone stale, being there a week, the bread was removed. It could be eaten by the priests and a new batch of bread was put before the Lord as the symbolism of the fact that he feeds us all. And Jesus <clears throat> picked up on this this thing in two ways. You remember he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so that would be probably in the mind of the Israelites a reminder that there was a daily bread sitting before the Lord that the people would come and see as a symbolic reminder that all their bread came from the Lord. So give us this day our daily bread. But also in Jesus's life, he picks up this act that the priest gave holy bread to David in order to provide for him when he was in need as part of this fight about the Sabbath that when Jesus's disciples just took a little bit of grain from the side of the road to eat on the Sabbath, they were rebuked as Sabbath breakers. Um, Jesus took this story of David being given the holy bread as a sustenance from the Lord when he was on his mission with his young men and saying, in effect, someone greater than David is here. And if David was worthy of this holy bread that only the priest could have as he was when he was on mission from God and also being persecuted by the ruling elites, how much more so the son of God ought to be able to give holy things to his disciples to sustain them while they're on their journey. And it was a bit of a fight about Sab where the Sabbath rules ought to be as well. And the Sa in Jesus' day, the Sabbath rules had become a lot more strict than they were intended to be by the Lord. Anyhow, so the priest cares for David. His requirement is that David is not in an unclean place by having slept with women or something like that. And D David even says, hey, every time we go on our journey, we maintain our ritual purity before the Lord, our, our ability to worship and come into God's presence. And so it's all good, but we see compassion from the priest. We see um, David's holiness being uh, maintained even when he's on mission, and we see God providing for David on the run. 
Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, this is verse 7, and detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Okay, so that factoid is just presented there. And probably what happened is that you're meant to imagine that David sees him on his way out. And later on, David's going to say, oh, uh, I wish I had noticed that this had happened here. But we just get this factoid now. This is going to become a problem later when Doeg is involved in the slaying of the priesthood with Saul. Verse 8, And then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. And so we were told this before, but apparently Goliath's sword was brought to the presence of God as kind of a tribute and an offering to the Lord. And so it was kept with the priestly stuff. And so when David is looking for a sword, because he had to run away, um, he again conceals the fact that he's on the run by saying, I was just sent out right away. I have to go so fast. I kind of couldn't grab my tools with me, which would look very suspicious, of course, but Himelech's going with it. He says, all there is, is this sword from Goliath. And so interestingly, David picks up the sword of Goliath, and this is the weapon he's going to be using while he's on the run. Um, David's act from years ago ends up being the Lord's provision for him later on in his life. Verse 10, And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And so here comes David. He's left Israel. Uh, Gath is one of the Philistine cities. It's actually one of the cities that God plagued with the Ark of the Covenant when it was captured um, during the days of uh, Samuel's boyhood. And so we're coming back again to the very beginning of this book by having the holy man of God go to Gath. So similarly to at the beginning when the presence of God um, went to Gath from Israel. Um, so now the man of God, who is the anointed of God, who has just been to the presence of God and just got the sword that was in the presence of the Lord near the ark, um, he is now going to Gath. And there's going to be, again, a bit of a conflict here, but you just have this 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 echo of the very beginning of the book by having David go to Gath here. And now, interestingly, outside of Israel, the Philistines do think already that David is the king. They call him the king of the land, and they've heard these rock songs, these pop songs of Israel that have put David above Saul. And so, similarly, that Saul was worried that David would outshine him, outside of Israel, David has outshined him. And Saul has been unable to humble himself and recognize the hand of God, and even be grateful that outside of Israel, people are afraid of David, which would have been good for Israel. It would have been great for the Philistines to just be afraid to attack Israel because David has so much prowess. But Saul doesn't care about that. He's more concerned about himself than about Israel. And so there we go. Verse 12, And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. 
Then Akish said to his servants, Behold, you see, this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen, that you've brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Okay, so that's the end of the chapter. David is going to end up leaving because Akish has sent him away. But interestingly, so if you take the similar theme that David is like the new kind of presence of the Lord here, not replacing the ark, but as the anointed king, he's the one that God is with. You see the king of Gath again sending away the presence of God, not this time because the hand of the Lord is there in judgment, but by David's ruse again. So this chapter has two times where David is using deception um, as he's on the run. And both the first time is really to protect the priest, this time is to protect himself. And so when he hears, oh man, they, I've been spotted, I've been known, he really degrades himself by acting crazy and he's clawing at the doors and he's just slobbering all over himself. And because of this deception and the hand of God with him who participates, obviously God makes lets this deception work. And Akish doesn't think, oh, David's just trying to get away by acting crazy. He actually believes it. Um, David gets away because of this deception here. And it's really because God's with him to save him. But it, it's a bit of a story to show how low David is brought because of the anointing, because that he's been made king, because of cult Saul's wrath. He's in a foreign country trying to get away. And still in a foreign country, he's under threat and is having to pretend to be crazy in order to escape with his life. And so the end of 21 is really a bit of a low point in David's life. But God's with him and we're hearing this echo of God providentially ruling over the activities of the nations around David. The first time it's sent back the ark to Israel and this time it's letting the the king of Israel go. Um, but at the same time, David's just, it, it's so low. It's so low for David. This is a, a very low point in his life. So uh, for us, we can see that God is on the move in David's life. We can see that he's provided for, for him from his very presence with the bread of the presence. We can see that God is helping David's um, plans to escape, be successful so that he's protected. But at the same time, we can see that even faithful David, who has the presence of God with him, this does not keep David from having to go through low low seasons, humiliation, and even having to use some like wit just to survive the trials that he's going through. So God bless us as we attempt to follow the Lord during confusing and tough times. May the Lord be with each one of us and amen.